as a culture, January, uh, actually the whole nation starts thinking about New Year's resolutions. Some of you said, I'm, I'm going to save money this year. I'm going to pay off my bills. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, go to the exercise place. I'm going to get another job. I'm going to have a new business. Whatever it might be. All that stuff is good. All stuff is very important because human beings need goals. We do need vision. Vision is vital in our lives. Vision actually helps us to sacrifice the things we really don't need to pursue the things we want to attain. In order for you to achieve that which you need or want, you need to let go of some stuff. So vision helps you to get rid of the fluff stuff and really embrace the stuff that you need to embrace. Here's the bottom line. As humans, we can't do everything. Say to your neighbor, you're not everything. You can't do everything. You can't be everyone. So be the best you that God has called you to be. That was a good place to say amen. Really, because most of our life, we try to be somebody else. And unfortunately, some of you find out at 70 years old, that was all a waste of time. That you had your own set of giftings, your own uniqueness. You were special all along. One of the things I hate about bullies is, you know, they pick on your uniqueness many times. They pick on something that they see that to them, quote unquote, is funny. And that affects us even as adults. But I would like you to get delivered from that today. Amen. I, really, I would like for you to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Because if you saw yourself the way God sees you, you would immediately stop disrespecting yourself. Because it's time we start respecting ourselves. And if I respect myself, I'll treat myself right. And I'll start let, letting others dictate how high I can go. I'm not getting any amens right now. That means you're in deep meditation. That means you're perusing the thought. You're, you're, you're ruminating right now. You're going, hmm, I like that. Praise God. No, no, listen, you have to grow and be all that you're called to be. You know, everything in nature has no other uh, option but to grow and to be all it's called, uh, called to be. Uh, the tree grows and grows and grows as, as high as it's supposed to grow. But if you take a shark... When it's a baby, it's an infant, and you put it inside a little pool, it won't grow. It'll stay and remain stunted. It needs to be in its ambient place, in its, in its atmosphere, in order for it to grow as large as it's supposed to grow. And our problem is we've allowed people to place us in a very small box. And, and, and this year, God is revealing to you, you're in the wrong atmosphere. What I love about it is the minute you get into the right atmosphere, boof, you'll grow. You will extend the pegs of your tents. You, you will expand. And most of the expansion has to uh, happen in your mind. So in the coming days, as, as you pray, God, show me who I am in you. Show me what I'm supposed to be doing versus what he thinks, she thinks, they think. And some of our, the worst culprits are your own family many times. Sometimes our own family limits and hinders us. Then when we start prospering, they say, yeah, 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 that's not going to last. Frankly, I've stopped listening to people because I've realized that things that people have told me in the past had limited me. And when I finally broke through, I said, wow, this was not as hard as I thought it was going to be. But it was always in front of me, that person's statement, that situation, uh, that failure. And let me just settle this with you also. Failure is a good thing. I'm going to say it again. Failure is a good thing. It's just one way of not doing it again. That's all it is. 
all the great people fail a lot. And they fail on purpose. And they fail over and over and over. But for them, it's called practice. They don't get offended at it. They don't get saddened by it. They don't get disappointed. They don't allow it to stop them. All the greats, you know, the Babe Ruths of this world, uh, they, they would swing for the rafters and either they got a home run or a strike. So what did happen next time? They would swing for a home run or a strike. And it didn't make a difference. They just kept on. Hence, they were known as the Sultan of Swat. But nobody remembered them as the strikeout king. Because how many of you know that Babe Ruth was the strikeout king? You understand? But they didn't remember him for that. How many of you know David? Uh, you ever heard of King David? What is he most known for? Worship and Goliath. That's it. There you go. Those are the two big things. Worship and Goliath. Why worship? Because he was a worshiper. Prolific worshiper. And he wrote Psalms. And to this day, we still have them. But he's also known as a giant killer. Before the giant, he was David who? No, 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 no. David who? <laughs> no, who? <laughs> so in your life, it is your crises and how you manage and handle them and how you deal with them will determine your greatness. Amen. So some of you are in crisis right now. And God's just saying, I'm just positioning you for greatness. Well, you're worried, oh my God, what's going to happen? I'm going to lose it all. I'm gonna... Excuse me, God's positioning you for greatness. You need to catch another re uh, revelation. You need to expand. See, vision will help you to stretch. How many of you know you need to stretch? I want 10 of you right now. Come here. Give me a split right now. No? No? <laughs> we all need to stretch. It's good for you. Say to neighbor, it's good for you. Yeah, when you stretch. Every morning we should get up and stretch. Every morning we should stretch our limbs, our tendons. Well, you, you know, you get a cramp because you need to stretch. Sure, you know, honestly, it's what's happening. Your body's saying, I'm not used to this. But you, 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 know, you press through the pain, and after a while you realize you're more limber. You feel younger. You can move quicker. It's necessary that we stretch. Vision helps us to stretch. Vision helps us to trust God more. Vision helps us to persevere because if I know something good is around the corner, I'm going to press through. I'm going to fight it through because I know around the corner there's something better for me. Amen. And our problem is, is, is not that uh, you know, we don't have something great. We do. Our problem is that we don't see it. So we stop. Oh, it's not worth it. Yes, it is. It's worth it. At the end of the day, it's worth it. You can press through. Amen. My, my future is based on what I can see today. Because what I can see today will cause me to move in line with that future. Amen. Thus I become today what I'm supposed to be tomorrow. Amen. So my dream or my vision becomes the profit that I have today of a future tomorrow. Even though I don't see it now in the natural or nobody else sees it, I see it in my spirit man. So I can move ahead because even though nobody knows what I'm going through, nobody knows what I'm moving toward, I do. And here's the problem. When somebody tries to speak into your future, they don't see it. Hence, they'll criticize any sacrifice you're making today. So are you crazy? What are you doing that for? <laughs> Exercise? What for? Stretch? <laughs> what for? Study? Oh, my God. There's no, you know people study don't get anywhere. You, you, you end up with a bill. They don't know what they're talking about. 
You're preparing yourself for that future picture. And that's the vision that God sees. And, and, and the Bible says Jesus for the vision that he saw before him. That sight, that future picture that he saw before him, he endured the cross. He didn't enjoy the cross. He saw you and me delivered. He saw you and me as sons of God, as his younger brothers and sisters. He saw nations delivered and set free. People restored back to God. So he says, I can endure the cross because the cause or the future picture is worth it. Amen? So say to your neighbor, it's worth it. Amen. Praise God. So as we get ready to receive the harvest, there are several things we need to understand that has displeased God in a previous season. Several things. The first thing is found in Matthew 9.35. Jesus looked and, and, and was saddened to see that there were very few laborers, but yet there was a lot of harvest. So he says, people pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send laborers, that he send workers, because there's a lot of harvest. So it displeased them that there were not enough harvesters. It displeased them that there were not enough people concerned about the harvest. So in this year, 2012, catch God's heart. Because there's a lot of harvest. So God's going to send you to different fields, and you're going to be able to bring people in. When he talks about harvest, he's talking about people. People committing to God. People coming to saving faith in Christ. People reconciling. People restoring their relationship with Almighty God. In your workplace, there's somebody that's just about ready to come back home. And he's waiting on a good counsel from you. So God will give you wisdom as to how to navigate that. Because I know in certain workplaces, it's very difficult. Several friends of mine got arrested this week. Just because they were uh, pretty much protesting the decision of the uh, Board of Education. One of the pastors, uh, Pastor Dimas Salaberius. Uh, one of the city council, uh, Fernando Cabrera, got arrested. And I think another one or two pastors earlier this week because they went downtown and they told the city of New York, it's unfair what you're doing. You need to allow the churches to continue using the public spaces on Sunday and the auditoriums and school on Sunday for worship. And so they got arrested. In the afternoon, they were let go. And two days later, Part of the city who handles, I think, the after-school centers relented and said, okay, we'll continue to allow churches to use that aspect. So next week, they're going to be in the Bronx somewhere, um, I think in Morris Avenue, and they're going to continue. And probably some more pastors are going to be arrested and more ministers and, and more of the body of Christ in making the point. So you city, you're making a big mistake. You need to allow churches to flourish in the city. We are the salt. We are light. Wherever churches are, crime goes down. If you take the churches away, crime will go up. We are the moral, prophetic voice to the nation. Amen. You see, so uh, God is saying to us, this is a year where we really need to strongly activate the witness that God made us to be. The second thing we need to seek is we need to make sure, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, the issue of seed don't waste your seed this year. God is displeased when we take the gifts, the talent, and the treasure that we have and just throw it away or misuse it or abuse it. What is a seed? Anything can be a seed from friendship, from a, a word of counsel, uh, from uh, sharing uh, in a person's need. Giving the word of the Lord is a seed. The word itself is a seed. Amen. Uh, being the love of God somewhere. 
incarnating the love of God in your settings, in your family. That's a seed. So use your seeds to the maximum because seeds always reproduce according to their kind. What have you reproduced in the past? Well, what type of seed have you sown in the past? Have you, seen, have you sown hate, distrust, mistrust, anger? Well, turn it around now. Sow seeds of love, of kindness, of goodness. Sow the seeds of the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The third thing is make sure, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, uh, Jesus told uh, Peter, listen, get your nets and throw them this way. So they threw the nets out the right way. After, after literally fishing all night long, they could not get any catch. But this time they threw their nets uh, the right place and they garnered a large catch of fish. Well, the Lord says, make sure this year our nets are properly mended. See, nets are not like when we, when we do fishing. You know, we got a fishing pole. Just like a one, one fish at a time type deal. And the problem is sometimes... The one fish never comes, right? But if you throw a net, what happens? You'll catch all kinds of fish. But isn't a net one fiber across another fiber, across another fiber, across another fiber, across another fiber, right? So if they fall into the net, they have no place to escape because they're being caught here and here. They're being grabbed from all over. See, as a ministry, we are a net, you pray from this angle, you minister from that angle, you get them at a home group, you get them here in the, maybe a conference, a concert, whatever it may be, the net will catch a lot more fish. So the net has to be properly mended. How can a church be properly mended? We have to love each other. Yes. I find we're too in the flesh. We're too fleshly. We get offended too easy. We get bothered too easily. Can we get over ourselves finally? I mean, literally, the world is in major, major confusion. And here we're worried that brother didn't say hello to me. Well, I didn't like he worked. He, he wore the same suit I wore. We really have got to get over ourselves already. Really, offenses are going to come. People are going to, you know, we're going to misunderstand each other. Listen, there are times I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I offend myself. <laughs> so I've learned to get over, get over it. There are times people are going to say unkind things. We need to toughen up. Say to your neighbor, toughen up. We need to toughen up in the spirit. Amen. It's because we need to work as a team. The Bible says working as one man, seeking the unity of the spirit. You're never going to think my, like me. I'm never going to think like you. You're always going to have a nuance, a difference. A, you know, we're going to disagree on things. It's just the nature of human beings. We have to learn, and after living 33 years married with my wife, I've learned, I haven't mastered it, but I've learned this. I've learned to agree to disagree. You got that one? That is an important revelation, people, especially to you married folk. We need to learn to agree to disagree. In other words, my wife is her own human being. She's not an appendage. She's a human being. She has different ways of thinking. And my wife agrees with me, disagrees with me on 99.873648% of the time. See, but I'm okay with that because she's an individual. So we debate a lot and we chat a lot. And, and what I've learned is that she has a unique way of looking at things that I don't see. Because me individually, I am myopic. 
I only see this. See? She sees a little more here. So when I don't see an arrow coming this way, she says, Victor, watch out. There's an arrow to the left. So I don't see it. So take my word for it. It's coming. So I go like this. I say, oh, my God, it's coming. Yeah. So I've learned that if I open up and I allow other people's viewpoints to come into my mind, it actually enriches me. And sometimes I just simply might not agree with you. It's okay. I'm not saying I don't love you. Get away from me. I'm kicking you out. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't agree with your viewpoint because my own worldview is slightly different than yours. So, so then what we do after we disagree and we, and we you know, have intensive fellowship, we're going to hold hands again and go have dinner. That's what we've learned to do. Praise God. Because we already won. We're already on the winning side. So I'm not, we're not two individuals trying to win an argument because I'm more big and bad than she is or she's bigger and badder than I am. We're already on the winning side. So as a church family, we're already on the winning side. Amen. I don't have to be right individually all the time. You might, have, you might know, but actually, I guarantee you know more than I do in some things. And I know more you, than you do in some things. But I have to respect you enough and love you enough so that we could build that net. Because at the end of the day, it's about those that don't know Jesus yet. It's about those that are in our congregation that are hurting. I mean, we're worrying about such small things. And there are people in our congregation and in our community that are hurting. They need the love of God. They need you to be prayed up and fired up and passionate about God. Because if they come to you with their stuff and you go, you're right. <laughs> I mean, imagine you start breaking down when somebody needs prayer. Imagine you go to Minister Mickey. Minister Mickey, I've been having a hard time. I need prayer. She's in the front ready to pray. And you need prayer for what? Oh, I'm going through this. Oh, you're right. Me too. Pastor, pray for us. We're a mess. <laughs> we need to be strong in the Lord in this season. And <laughs> I mean, that'd be a bad thing. Man, you pay a therapy, a, th a therapist, a thousand dollars. You know, you're paying him, and they, he breaks down. <laughs> Help me. Will you pray for me? I'm, I'm, I'm paying you. The fourth thing is in the book of Luke, when Jesus went to the tree, he was wanting fruit. Have we bore fruit last year? Did we bear fruit last year? So what God sees as fruit is did we impact somebody else? Did the word of the Lord come out of our mouth? Did, did we share love? Did we draw somebody into the kingdom of God? Did people get saved? Because of your testimony, because of your witness. Did you praise some people into the kingdom? Did you shift some things in your prayer? Hallelujah. Did your testimony at work impact people? See, that's what God is looking for. That's the type of fruit that he's looking for. He doesn't care that you have five Cadillacs. Doesn't move God that you have, you know, a bigger house than I do. So? How many people got saved? How many people got impacted? How many people turned to God because you gave your testimony? God is seeking fruit this year. He spoke to the tree. He says, I curse you. You'll never again bear any fruit. And the disciples looked at him and says, oh, this is kind of off. <laughs> Jesus, you're speaking to a tree now? You know, we love our master, but he's, wow. So he walked away and kept on working. They looked at the tree and they kept on. A couple of days later, they came back. The tree had withered and died. So fruitless trees are trees that are on their way to wither away and die. The only way that the life of God will flow through you is if you allow the life of God to flow through you by being a witness. Amen. 
by being a conduit of his power, laying hands on the sick, speaking the word of the Lord. If you always shut the word of the Lord up, if you always shut your testimony up, you're not bearing fruit, so you're starting to wither and die. So God is saying, turn that around. Let the life flow through you. Amen. Say, say to your neighbor, let his life flow through you. Hallelujah. Come on, just pray. Just, just praise him right now. Come on, let some life flow through you this moment. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. So testify, teach, minister, open up your home. Be kind to somebody. If your neighbor needs something, what do you need? You'd be surprised how simple many times. Talking to my daughter, uh, Crystal, uh, she blew me the way the other day because she's at the job and they call her on the mic and somebody had fallen down and they were unconscious. So she gets there and the man is clinically dead. So she moved all the guys around and started doing the CPR stuff. And they're all looking. They go, whoa. And she's doing the CPR and CPR. And after a while, got back a heartbeat. And then... And then they took, her, took him to the hospital. He was in a coma. And from what I understand, I don't know, where is she? She's, da- she's downstairs filming? Oh, all right. He's better. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And if it wasn't for the CPR, If it wasn't for the CPR, yeah. You know. I mean, this is just one of a myriad of ways that we can show God's love to somebody. Tangible ways. I mean, what is the family going to think of Crystal? And what she's going to say? She's going to point upward. She's going to say, give God the glory. You understand? So I, I look at a person like, like Tim Tebow. You know, who's Tim Tebow? Practically everybody knows who Tim Tebow is. Not because that he won the game. He lost. But because he dared to trust God and to give God glory in a very unusual place. He used this platform to give God the glory. Why? Because he's bearing fruit. Love him, hate him, whatever it is that you might want to think about him, he gave God the glory. He, he, he exposed the love of God Amen. on a national level. Right. What it would take me to do uh, 10 years, he was able to do it in one game, <laughs> for crying out loud. Touch a million people. What's your platform? What's your podium? Amen. Hallelujah. Another thing is, is, is in the book of Luke, chapter 14, Jesus speaks about a parable where, where the Lord is wanting his banquet hall to be full. But it wasn't. So he was displeased. So he told his servants, he says, where are the people I invited? Uh, well, this one guy's getting married. This other guy's busy working. This other guy's doing overtime. This other guy's doing this. And I says, open it up. Go to all the community. I want my house to be full. I don't care if they're sick. I don't care if they're needy. Bring them to my house. My house needs to be full. Is God's house full? The answer is no. So we have to get proactive and bring them in. He said by hook or by crook, bring them in. My house needs to be full. So we need to make sure this year that God's house is full. And it's not just on a Sunday service. What about the Monday small group meetings? What about the Wednesday uh, cell group? Whatever it may be, we need to make sure we're reaching out to more and more and more people. Can we do that this year? Absolutely, we have to. And I hope somebody would record this message. Let's replay it on June of this year, as the Lord permits. You're going to hear that some of the things I'm sharing today are prophetic in nature. We're going to need to be on our A game this year. 
because more and more people are, are being challenged in their faith, and those are the best times to be a witness for Almighty God. Amen. And you're going to think, oh my God, what's going to happen? I'm going to lose this. I'm no, 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 no. God's ready to get glory through you. And you're going to have a larger podium than you ever had in your life. Because it all has to do with putting God first. And as we put God first in our own situation, you're going to find that people will look and they'll say, hmm, is he or is she telling the truth? And throughout scripture, you can see God always said, I want the best part because I give the best part. Did not God give us the best? Yes. He gave us Jesus. Amen. And then he, he, he did a, a very interesting thing in the book of Genesis. He spoke to Abram, and he said, Abram, I'm giving you a son, right? And years later, what happens? Abraham has a beautiful son. I think about the age of 100, somewhere around there, 90, 100 years old. Very old. Okay, thank you, sir. Thank you. So several years later, the little boy's growing, and, and, and this man is looking at that boy, and he said, what a beautiful boy. You know, God's, God's given me an inheritance through him, and, and I'm going to be called the father of all nations, and through this little boy, I'm going to have my inheritance. So he's going, he's teaching that boy the, the word of the Lord. He's teaching him how to dig wells. He's teaching him how to live and how to, you know, enter the next generation with all that he's going to be passing on to him because you're going to have a lot of sons and you're going to have a lot of daughters and you're going to be known as, as a patriarch, whatever it is that he spoke. And suddenly God says, I want you to give me your boy. I want you to give me that boy. Uh, you mean the one that you told me was going to be the conduit for my inheritance? Yeah, give him to me. So you know what the Bible says? That Abraham knew his word. He knew God so much that he trusted him. He said, okay, you want my boy? Remember, Lord, you told me it was that boy where I'm going to have my inheritance. That boy is going to be the one that's going to have the sons, who's going to have the sons, who's going to have the sons, and we're going to have a great nation through that boy. So if you want him, you got to give him back to me. He trusted God that he would even resurrect him. So that morning, he tells his wife, we're going to go worship. Because that's what he was doing. He was worshiping God by giving him his best. Let's go worship, son. Okay, good, good. Where's the ram? The Lord will provide. So he's going up and suddenly he finds the place, prepares it, and he takes his son, lays him on the altar. And the boy's laying there looking at dad. And suddenly dad takes the knife ready to sacrifice him to the Lord. And the angel of the Lord takes Abraham's hands and says, no, 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 you don't have to do it. I take that as if you did already. And then suddenly they found a ram in the thicket. See, God was testing his heart. He said, I am going to give you so much you're not even aware of, but I have to trust you to that level. So that means that God can only trust us. Hey, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm ready to throw a bomb at you. God can only trust you to the degree that he can test you. That's not on paper. I just, you know, that's a download, people. And the reason why I'm not saying much right now is because God's working all over me, with what I just said. God can only trust you to the degree that he can test you. 
and you stand and still trust him. My God. My God. My God. So if you're going through an issue today, if God is testing you in any way, if you're going through any crisis right now, just stand. Stand. After, done all, after you've done all, stand. Trust him. Know that he's working it out for your good. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And you are called according to his purpose. Man of God, woman of God, there's some things that you're going through. But it's just a divine setup. Because God's about ready to give you a breakthrough in the midst of that. And there are some things that you would not have received had you not gone through that test. Had you not gone through that crisis. Had you not gone through that disappointment. Had you not gone through those issues. Had you not gone through those problems. If you didn't get fired. If you didn't get that challenge. If that friend didn't leave you. If that brother didn't hurt you. You would not have gotten where you're at today. And you would not have been prepared and poised to enter into that next level of your promotion. The next level of your influence. Can somebody say amen this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because if he can trust you here, that's where he can release his resources. If he can trust you here, there's more resources. See, God knows what he has ready to flow through you. But how can he give you this much if when you were here and he gave you some resources, you misuse those resources? God has no problem turning the scenario around and making you CEO. But most of us can't be a CEO. We'll run the company to the ground. Because we're irresponsible. Because we're not disciplined. Because we're not consistent. Because we complain about everything. Because we don't like people. Because we don't think vision. We only think today. Always get offended for any little thing. Are you aware if you want to run for president of the United States, everybody's going to offend you? <laughs> the higher you go, the bigger level, a devil you've got to deal with. Higher level, bigger devil. It's just the way it is. So you need to toughen up now and you need to be generous now at the level that you're at. And stop complaining about your level because this level will qualify you for the next level. Amen. Some people, you know, they were tired about sixth grade. I want to go to the seventh grade. I'll be happy when I'm in the seventh grade. Then when you're in the seventh grade, that's ah, not good enough. I want to be in the eighth grade. Always want to be one step higher. How about you just, you know, passing the seventh grade? I remember I wanted it. I wanted to go. I wanted to jump. Nah, let me, let me see if I can skip two or three grades. It's no good. Because if I skip two or three grades, I will have missed some essential elements that allow me, allow me to stand in the tenth grade. So while you're going through this, master this level. Master it. Become the master of it. And the God said, yep, now I could trust her. Now I could trust him. So then he'll create the avenues for your, and it'll always come through a crisis. I find that when God's about ready to promote you, he'll put you in a crisis. Because as you're exiting one season and ready to enter another season, part of the crisis is your own self. Because when you get promoted... Very times, that's a very dangerous place to be. And I'm, up, I'm about ready to speak to some of you right now. When God is ready to promote you, 
He understands it's a very precarious scenario because the rubber band, the more you stretch it, the more effective it gets. But also, it's at a danger point. It's at an inflection point because it could pop at any time if it's not handled properly. You need to know how much tensile strength that rubber band can have. I'm talking to somebody, and, and some of you are feeling stretched right now, but God's just ready to put you on another level. The problem is, when you become a supervisor, now it's not just enough to get to work at 8 in the morning and leave at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, since you're a manager, you need to get there earlier, and you need to leave later, and then you have to do administrative work. And then suddenly, you become the man. And since you're the man, people don't like the man. And people like to criticize the man. So if you can't take criticism, you're not going to last in that place of promotion. The place of promotion is a place of responsibility. The place of promotion, amen, is a place where you have to stand even if people don't like you. You have to do administrative work. You have to work harder than the average person. Now, it's no, no longer like 8 to 4. 8 to 4 was simple. You just go to work and then you go home. Now, the buck stops here. When the buck stops here, it means that you're responsible. And if it doesn't get accomplished, you get fired. Yeah, but it's not my fault. I don't care. You're in charge of the department. Fix it. That's what we put you there for. So I want to see the third quarter results. I want to see the fourth quarter result. Mm, no good. Your job is in jeopardy. How many want that? You have to, yeah, you want the money. You better take the pressure. Amen. That's good. I should let her finish the rest of this message because she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is what happens. In the beginning, God wants us to know that just as long as he's first, he knows he can trust you. So as you grow into another level, God will give you the wisdom to enter into that level. But he'll always put you there in the midst of crisis. The other area of crisis that will happen is very simply you. You will go through an internal crisis because you're used to doing it a certain way. I do it this way. I do it this way. I do it this way. Don't get me out of that. Otherwise, I'll have a fit. No, I'm serious. We have habits that we accept into our life and we make ours. And suddenly when the promotion is about ready to come, God says, okay, I need to deal with your habits. Because the habits that served you in this past season will no longer serve you well in a future season. Well, that's just the way I am. I speak my mind. Well, as a supervisor, you might not be able to speak your mind anymore. You might have to go like this. Yeah, the other day I was, I was uh, the, the board of directors hit me hard about a specific situation. And it wasn't that I did it. It was just that since I'm the supervisor, I have to make sure the staff gets it done. And they, I'm talking about lambasted me. And in a past season, I don't take that from nobody. I don't care who you are. You talk to me that way, I'm going to talk to you double that way. I, I know in this church none of you do that. But me, I'm still a work in progress. Something that happens, I don't know if it happens to you, but it's just like a warmth that comes somewhere around here. And it comes right to my face. And then the back of my hair starts standing up. Pink, 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 pink. Oh, and I start feeling that thing. And there's this, this, this surge of energy that comes, right? Anybody here can, you know, can uh, agree with me? And then you've just got this surge of energy and you don't care anymore. Right? Isn't that true? And then the next minute, you begin to say things. It just comes right out. But after you say them, 
They're out there. No, no, you don't deal with it. It's out there. Now it's just repercussions or results. One of the two. So in the past, I would just say things and I'll go, oop, ah, shucks, I said it. And of course, the super I go, insubordination, suspension, termination, all these other nice bits of English vocabulary that come out, right? But now, I, when they hit me, I go, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Glory to God. <laughs> And I'll go back and sort it out. Of course, I bounce it off my wife. So my wife, she's precious. When she knows that I have to vent, she'll just let me vent. I go in sometimes. Okay, honey, do you want some tea? But I appreciate that because it's a place where I can vent. It's my safe zone. Hey, don't think that's funny because sometimes I leave here. I go... And my wife said, okay, honey, do you want some tea? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So in putting God first, what has to happen is we have to reflect where are we at. And let's put God first. God has to be in the center of our heart. If the first fruit is holy, Romans eleven sixteen, And with that, I'll finish. Romans eleven sixteen. If the first fruit is holy, then the lump is also holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Can God trust you this year? Can He trust you with your time? Can He trust you with your talent? What is your talent? Preaching, teaching, administrative, singing, gifts of mercy, gifts of giving, whatever it might be. What are your gifts? Can He trust you? That if he says, son, daughter, I want you to release your gift over there. I want you to minister over there. I want you to share over there. Will you faithfully do it? And I'm telling you, I believe that God's going to give you revelation like never before. God give you revelation. He's going to give you wisdom. I was sharing with, with the congregation not so long ago with, with the situation. My friends got arrested because they've taken away the right for us to use the... Uh, the uh, auditoriums at school. But about, I don't know, about two and a half years ago, we were at the school. And I remember that Sunday I got up before you. And I said, you know, I think I've heard from the Lord. How, how long was it? Yeah, I told you. Right. We, we prepared. I said, I believe I heard from the Lord. The Lord told me that, uh, he, that this situation is going to change, that the rights were going to be taken away from the churches. So I told the church, let's start preparing to get another place. And then I asked the congregation for them to, uh, you know, to touch the community and to see if there was any opening. And right there, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, maybe a couple of months later, our brother Ephraim, who plays the bass here and is a sound guy, he said, listen, I think I have a divine connection for you guys. So we came here, meet the, met the pastor of this church. And so we, we sat down, we spoke, and they were looking for a congregation to share this place. And for us, that works because we're saving our pennies. Our pennies have become dollars, and we're in, we're in a good place now. But when I sat down, when she looked at me, she says, you're the person. Okay, I want you to come and share this place with us. And we'll give you all the morning and the early afternoon on Sunday. We'll take the evening time. I went, uh, that kind of works out for us. Because <laughs> wherever you go, they'll give us 4 o'clock, they'll give us 5, they'll give us 7 at night. But this congregation, this beautiful congregation that owns this place, allowed us to use all day long. Wow. 
But God spoke to me, and we obeyed as a congregation. So we are reaping the fruit of it, the harvest of it, and that's prepping us. Uh, I expect this year sometime we'll be able to walk into our own place. Amen. Because we've been diligent. We've been saving proactive. Amen. Come on, if you're going to give God the praise, do so, do so with oomph. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I believe that we're going to have more scenarios like this. I believe God's going to continue speaking to us because he does. God's constantly speaking to his people. So all we need to do is listen and hear. So I believe that in the coming days, you're going to hear from God. I'm going to hear from God. Let's be sensitive and let's obey. Let's give him first place. He is one. So say to remember, he's one. Hallelujah. And if he's not one in your heart yet, make him one today. Number one in your heart. Because if he's one, he'll share his resources with you. He'll share his wisdom with you. And by the way, he's the one that created you. So if you make him one, he'll start revealing to you who you really are. And the greatness that's already in you. And the gifts and the anointings that reside within you. And then passion will return to you. Then the gifts of the Spirit will flow mightily through you. And you'll become his conduit. You'll become his ambassador. Hallelujah. Amen? Then he'll expand the pegs of your tents. Amen.